Let's open the Word of God to Ephesians chapter 1. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1. It should be one of your favorite chapters in the Bible. It does provide us matter to extol and exalt and lift up and declare the mighty acts of God. Ephesians chapter 1, I read to you one sentence, verses 3 through 6. Blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Amen Amen and amen. Amen. May the Lord bless and the Lord will bless the reading of His Word. This chapter, Ephesians chapter 1, along with Romans chapters 8 and 9, express the sovereignty of God in our salvation like no others. And we want to revel in it. We want to enjoy this chapter of Ephesians and understand it. Here is where election is defined as God's choice of sinners and predestination is mentioned twice in verses 5 and 11. Here is where the will of God is mentioned four times and no will of man mentioned at all. In verses 1, 5, 9, and 11. If we take time to look at all these, we'll take too much time. Here is where the heresy of accepting Jesus is replaced with God accepting sinners in Jesus. Here is where praise of God's glory is stated three times, but there is no praise of men even mentioned. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace. Verse 12, that we should be to the praise of His glory. Verse 14, the verse ends with the words, unto the praise of His glory. Here is where emphasis is on God's pleasure in verses 5 and 9. Not the desire of man. And His purpose in verse 11. And not man's desire. Here is where the emphasis is is on God's glory. Five times. Verse 6. The praise of His glory. Verse 12. To the praise of His glory. Verse 14, to the praise of His glory. Verse 17, the Father of glory. Verse 18, the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. 
And grace is mentioned three times. And we could go on and on with this wonderful chapter. Here is where Jesus Christ is exalted far above the high heaven. And why? For you and for me. Verses 20 through 22 tell us so. You should read this chapter. You should meditate on this chapter. Consider this chapter. Pray over this chapter. Pour over this chapter. Admire and delight in this chapter. It declares the glory of a sovereign God who chose us out of the predicament, condemnation and damnation that we involved ourselves in by our own foolish choices in our first Adam and in our own lives. Here is where we learn the power necessary for a sinner to believe. It's found in verses 19 and 20. The exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe. It's the same power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead to quicken a dead sinner in order to believe the gospel. Here is where we learn the great God works all things after the counsel of His own will. Verse 11. Here is where God's purpose is more important than any purpose of men. Verses 9 and 11. Verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. And verse 11. Who worketh, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him. It's God's purpose for us. That is our salvation. His purpose is for His pleasure. His pleasure is the praise of His glorious grace. And so we have this one sentence before us that we want to delight in today. This chapter presents the truth of the gospel kept secret since the beginning of the world and from most Christians even today. Verses 8 and 9 tell us in this chapter wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known, because otherwise it is unknown, having made known unto us the mystery of His will. What is His will? That He would have a race of mankind on this planet, and that they would sin against Him voluntarily, willingly, maliciously, perversely, and profanely, And He would judge them righteously for their sins. But out of that fallen mass of humanity, He would take some and assign them to His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would come in the fullness of time and die a substitutionary death for them. This is the Gospel. It's the mystery of His will. For the purpose, the origin, the end, the theme of the universe. It all revolves around the earth and it all revolves around His elect children that He's chosen in His only begotten Son. The whole thing. It's just a play. It's just a drama being played out on the stage of the universe for the glory of God. And we have been chosen to be main players in the drama. To be His sons. It's incredible. It's too lofty for me. I tremble studying it. I tremble thinking about it. I tremble preaching it. But I believe the revelation of God's Word. I am committed to this Bible and the words of this Bible. And it says it so plainly. 
It couldn't be said any more plainly in this first chapter of Ephesians. And we thank God for it. God has, God does, and God will reject all men. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is no hope of acceptance with this God. He is holy and just and righteous and of purer eyes than to look on iniquity approvingly. We are doomed and we are damned. Apart from this sentence, there is no hope. So I give you our hopeless problem. By inheritance and nature, by inheritance and nature, God hates you as a condemned rebel enemy of His. By birth, you inherited from Adam the guilt of Adam's sin. Romans 5 teaches it unequivocally that we are responsible for Adam's sin. By birth, you inherited his sinful nature that loves sin and hates God and holiness. By nature, you continue in sin every day. Isn't it terrible? Do you ever say to yourself, this is the greatest proof of total depravity. It's not found in a book. It's not found in the five points of Calvinism. It's not found in the acronym TULIP. It's found in me. How could we ever hear about this God and ever sin against Him again? Because we're depraved. Your depraved heart and mind are too proud and rebellious to believe His revelation. If we would believe this, it would change our lives. To think that He did this for us. To believe He did it. To embrace it. And to live out our lives in thankful, grateful gratitude for what He's done for us. Your depraved heart and mind is too proud and rebellious to believe what He's tried to show you. The natural creation is sufficient because He Himself says so that they are without excuse. What He's created is enough to show that He has a Godhead. There is a God. And He has eternal power. There's a consciousness of a conscious being so great to give rise to conscious angels and conscious men. We will deal with infinite consciousness when we stand before Him. No matter how well the gospel is preached, though it moves no man. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So there's no revelation that can help us. We're rejected, we'll never be accepted, we're lost, we're doomed. It's the hopeless problem of our race. The evidence of God's dealings with men as recorded in the Bible is His rejection of men. In the days of the flood, He rejected the entire population of planet Earth, except for eight that He chose to put in the ark and close the door behind them. God annihilated seven nations in Canaan. We don't mean defeated them according to the Geneva Convention. We mean annihilated them. Man, woman, and child, seven nations. Why? So that He could take their houses. So that He could take their furniture. So that He could take their wells and their vineyards and their walled cities and the infrastructure of their villages and give them 
to His chosen people. He rejected them. He rejected Egypt for Israel. He rejected the Greek philosophers on Mars Hill by the Apostle Paul telling them that God had raised Jesus Christ from the dead to come back and judge them. There was going to be no escape for them in their so-called learning. All the evidence that we can gather from our experience confirms this dire situation that God has rejected men and that they are doomed. Death clutches at every single one of us. Everyone we love dies. Everyone that loves us ends up losing us because we die. Every ambition that you have is wiped out because you will die. And it's grabbing at us. It's taking us down. The older we get, the more we see it and the more we know it and the more we feel it and the more we recognize it and the, and the realer it becomes to us. You young do not understand. It is going to suck the life out of every aspect of your physical being. Death will take down every living soul. The creation proves loud and clear that there is a God with eternal power. What He created, He takes. What rises up, fades and falls and dies. The differences among men in intellect, the differences among men in bodies, and the differences among men in circumstances are grim. They show that there is wrath in the universe against our race. And we shouldn't be surprised because Psalm 7 and verse 11 says, God is angry with the wicked every day. Natural disasters from diseases to tsunamis take life without any regard. Babies are ripped apart in their mother's wombs by the suction wands of abortion doctors, abortion murderers around the world. Babies die horrible deaths of starvation in various parts of the world. The race is condemned. We're condemned with it as part of the race. The hopeless problem The testimony of Scripture says this. You will read tomorrow in Genesis chapter 4 that in the first family, the oldest son killed his brother, murdered his brother because he was good. What in the world is upon this earth? Murder, mayhem, Malice and judgment of God. But we know where Abel is. He's under the throne of God because he's the first martyr of Almighty God. Because he would worship according to God's revelation and not by Cain's foolish imagination. God said to Cain, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Cain went ahead and sinned and proved that he was a child of the devil. 
And every time that we go ahead and sin, we prove that we're the same, and we prove that we are not accepted. We are rejected. Because all sinners must be rejected without the sentence that I've read to you. In Exodus chapter 23, God through Moses told Israel, I will not justify the wicked. You can get justified by almost any authority in this world because you can plead, cry, pay, extort, pressure, or whatever other means you use to get somebody to let you off the hook. You'll never do that with Almighty God. I will not justify the wicked. Moses went on to warn through, from God about the angel of the Lord's presence that would be with Israel. Right. Hear the words of the Lord. Beware of him. Provoke him not. He will not pardon your transgressions. That is the God that we're dealing with. Right. The Lord. The Lord God, who will by no means clear the guilty. God revealing Himself to Moses. Joshua telling Israel, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for He is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Job, if I sin, then thou markest me, and thou wilt not acquit me from mine iniquity. Elihu, God accepteth not the persons of princes. They all are the work of His hands. He doesn't accept us. There isn't a prince among us. But He doesn't accept even princes. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. The sweet psalmist David in Psalm 5.5 The wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations that forget God. And by nature we've forgotten Him. God is not in all our thoughts. Were it not for His grace. The Lord trieth the righteous. That means He chastens them in love. And perfects them and leads them. But the wicked His soul hateth. Psalm 11 and verse 5. I hate, I despise your feast days. I will not accept them. Said in Amos and Hosea about Israel, His chosen people. The Lord is great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. This is the God of the universe and the creator of everything you know. The Lord is great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. God will render to every man according to his deeds. Romans chapter 2. Every mouth will be stopped and has been stopped that all the world may become guilty before God. Romans chapter 3. The wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6. God accepteth no man's person. Galatians 2. For our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12. Whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 20. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Revelation 21. That is a hopeless problem. You have arrived in life. You are conscious. You're able to think about yourself and analyze and feel and think of goals, fears, love, 
hate, obedience, rebellion, your conscious. You've arrived in life and you're conscious of your existence and you cannot turn it off. There is a conscious creator that is greater than we can imagine. Right. And there are only a few places left in the earth that will think about it realistically, accurately, and consistently with this revelation. By his merciful grace, he is speaking to us again today. Right. And right now he's reminding you that you have a hopeless problem. If you think your consciousness came from inanimate matter and an explosion of chaotic gases, you're a rebel idiot. Right. It's absolutely impossible by any definition or constraint or loose loosing of man's imagination. You will certainly come to an end of life and he cannot accept you at all. We're all headed there. We're headed there so fast. We're headed there so fast. He's already rejected you, and he will formally declare it on Judgment Day. You're a fool and a sinner. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. You're doomed. And there's nothing you can. And you know what? There's nothing you'll even try that's good to do anything about it. It's amazing how perverse we are. You're in serious trouble and the consequences are beyond imagination. No governor will accept you. No president has time for you. How much less the great God. I'm a few years away. Maybe days. Who knows? Those of you that are near my age, we all know. As an Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Amen. We have a hopeless problem, and the Bible deals with it. And so we have a wonderful sentence that needs to be read again. So I read to you Ephesians chapter 1, and you should love these words. Blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Oh, that's wonderful news. That is fantastic news. It is too lofty for me to understand. And I will not exercise myself in matters too high for me, but I will declare to you the whole counsel of God, and I don't care that there aren't other pulpits that preach it the way it should be preached, but you are in a hopeless mess without Ephesians 1, 3-6. You are doomed and you are damned. You have been given conscious existence for an eternity of conscious pain. But for His grace, who in a finite period of time endured the wrath of God for us, who was cut off in the prime of His life, 
and was bruised and wounded and chastened and chastised and by His stripes we are healed. We are blessed above and beyond measure. How do we even describe it? No wonder the apostle would say the unspeakable gift, the unsearchable riches of His grace. This is mind-blowing. The mind says, my mind says, while studying right now, there's part of my mind that says, this just cannot be true. This is too overwhelming. A race damned for sin? Go to your next funeral of someone that you loved and reach out and touch them and ask where they are. Read about, read about starving babies. Read about abort, aborted babies. Why do they die? Give me an answer. Because of sin and a holy God. The two don't match up well. Sin and a holy God do not match up well. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 is the heavenly provision. Praise His glorious grace. Amen. Oh, yes, Lord. Blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Did you hear Brother Jim last Lord's Day from Psalm 103? Bless the Lord and forget not all His benefits. Oh, forget them. Bless the Lord who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Bless the Lord who chose you in Christ before the world began. Bless the Lord who predestinated you to adoption as His Son. Bless the Lord who made you accepted in His sight in Jesus Christ, His beloved Son. That is the greatest... What can I say? It is blessing beyond degree. And it shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't surprise us because He's the infinite God. I am that I am. He surely came up with something that was beyond the minds of these little ants down here that crawl around trying to figure out how to build a hundred-story building. That took them 6,000 years to figure out how to go underwater. He's abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, making known to us the mystery of His will. And His will governs the universe All created conscious creatures, angels, devils, wicked men, and righteous men, His will dominates them all. Blessed. When considering salvation, your first thoughts and words must be, Bless the Lord. They should be blessing to God. It was prayed in the back room. I prayed it before you this morning. Lord, restore unto us the joy of thy salvation. Psalm 51, David speaks about having lost some of or all of that joy of salvation. And we're here in the house of the Lord today to have the joy of salvation restored. Let this one sentence of God's inspired, preserved words in our language restore that joy to you. Let the Holy Spirit take these words and feed your soul. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have blessings, but the greatest blessing is heavenly truth and riches of our salvation. It is ignorance, it is neglect, or it is rebellion that cause us to live for ourselves after hearing the news of this great salvation. Our God is identified in different ways. He is the Almighty God. He is the Mighty God. 
He is Jehovah. He is I am that I am. It's a shame that men confuse Jehovah with Allah or other idols of their imagination. But confusion disappears when our God is identified the way He is in the first clause of verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God that the Lord Jesus Christ worshipped is our God. The God that was the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was His only begotten Son, the Son of God, God God-man on earth, is our God. We identify things and they all revolve around the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the beloved darling of Almighty God. And so it starts out by identifying the God. Listen, the apostle was writing the Ephesians. The Ephesians as a city in very western modern Turkey, which was in Asia, worshipped what God? The goddess Diana. Because the apostle brought the message of this God to that city, what did they stand around screaming for two hours? Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Oh, yeah. Are you screaming that because you're losing your jobs? Yes. Why are you losing your jobs? Because Paul's preaching about a God that created us. And we create these statues of Diana. And now nobody wants to buy them. So they stood around screaming, and it tells us in the book of Acts, for two hours, great is Diana of the Ephesians. We have a blessed God. And His name is the Lord Jehovah, and He is the God, and He is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. The source of salvation and spiritual blessings is Almighty God, even our Lord Jehovah. No man can help. Blessed be the God. Paul doesn't say, blessed be the apostles, blessed be the priests, blessed be the popes, blessed be the missionaries, blessed be the soul winners. It's blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every spiritual blessing comes from Him. Every bit of holiness you will ever have for you to be without blame, for you to be accepted, is from Him, by Him, and through Jesus Christ. Believe it. Embrace it. This is how we'll start 2016. We will revel in our glorious God and the salvation we have in His Son, Jesus. The source is always and only Almighty God. We are totally depraved and at war against cooperating with Him. He has to bless us or there will be no blessing. If we're ever accepted, if we're ever adopted, it's because of Him. It tells us in the fifth verse, that we have been predestinated to adoption as His children to Himself. He wants you. He wants me. It doesn't make sense. It's too lofty. But He wants us as His children. And He has guaranteed it. He has predestinated, meaning to set beforehand your destiny as His son and child. And He has accepted us Already, because He made us accepted in the Beloved by covenant before the world began. Twas with an everlasting love, Rhonda. Because we, we were on the, the bosom of Christ by covenant. Right. 
before the world began, engraved on the palms of His hands, written in the Lamb's book of life. It has to come from Him. He is the potter of humanity for salvation or condemnation, as Romans 9 teaches. I'm not going to turn you there. You should know it. Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another vessel to dishonor? Yes, no man can help. He blesses us. We do not bless ourselves. Free willism applied is blasphemy because He is the source of all blessing. He chooses to give mercy and compassion or to harden men according to His own will. Romans chapter 9 says it. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Two verses later, therefore, He hath mercy on whom He will have mercy and He hardeneth whom He will. Because Pharaoh has been stuck in in verse 17 between verses 15, 16, and 18 about the will of God. There would be no spiritual blessings for sinners if it were not for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, brethren, we are blessed because the blessed God blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Is that pretty blessed? I'm just going by the third verse. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. So we ought to bless God and we are indeed blessed by the blessed God who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Everything you know down here is crud. Everything you know down here is junk. It's rusting, it's deteriorating, it's dying, it's ugly, and it stinks, especially you and me. Because we're decaying. There will be no spiritual blessings if it were not for His Son's sacrifice. So it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, identifying Him who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. It's all centered around our brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? We are going to start this year. We are going to keep this year dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is my privilege that I do not understand at all why I get to preach to you the unsearchable riches of Christ. In the first three verses, he's mentioned five times. Would you mark this paper written by Paul with a red pen and write redundant? Watch. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. To the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Five references, three verses. He's a name dropper. Let's be name droppers. What Nathan exhorted us to do from Psalm 145, we ought to do with the blessings of the additional revelation of the New Testament, and that is to extol the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. The blessings are in Jesus Christ. You must be in Him 
before God for any of the blessings. If God gave His Son for us, then He will give us all other things as well. Because Romans 8 and verse 32 teaches us that. He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. All those in Christ. All those according to the purpose of God, that election might stand. Go read Romans 8 and and 9. He that delivered, he that spared on his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's verse 32. Verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? What's the greatest thing that can be given to you? Acceptance and adoption. Acceptance and adoption. The title of these sermons today, Accepted and Adopted. Accepted and Adopted. The Blessing of Election. He has already accepted you. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and in sincerity and honesty of your soul are seeking to live for Him, you give the evidence that He has already accepted you before Genesis 1.1. And He predestinated you to adoption as His child. And who do you think can overthrow the predestinating purpose of Almighty God? You can sooner overthrow the covenant that He's made with the sun and the moon than you can to overthrow His covenant for your salvation. There is no other Savior. All spiritual blessings are in Christ Jesus. There are none in Mary. There's nothing in Mary. Mary needed Jesus, and Mary needed this choice of God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, as much as anyone ever needed it. There is no Savior or salvation in Mary, or in Mohammed, or in Pope Francis, or Benedict, or John Paul, or any of them, or in Joseph Smith, or in Abraham, or in Vishnu, or in Buddha, or anywhere. It's all in the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten and beloved Son of the living God. The reference to heavenly places. This third verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I hope you can understand all the words so far. To be blessed is to be given something wonderful from God or from another party that shows that we are in great favor and that will give us great advantage. We have been blessed with all kinds of spiritual advantages that were given to us by Almighty God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly places is a phrase used only in the book of Ephesians. And it's used four times. It's right here in verse 3. It's in verse 20. And it will help you understand what we're speaking of. We don't want to get figurative or metaphorical when we shouldn't. It says heavenly places. What would your first pass be on a test? Heaven. The presence of God. Standing with God. The throne of heaven. The judgment bar of heaven. Heavenly places. So it says in verse 20 that God raised up Christ. 
raised him up from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. It says it in chapter 2 and verse 6, And we've been raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Vitally and legally, we are with Christ in heaven right now. That is how great and sure and thorough and complete the eternal union of the elect with Jesus Christ is. If He's raised, we're raised. Not physically yet in these bodies, but legally and vitally with Him. Practically, we're to live a resurrected life. And finally, these bodies will be raised to join Him. But we are with Him in the union that there exists between Jesus and His church. We are bone of His bone and flesh of His flesh. And it's also used in chapter 3 and verse 10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Those are the elect angels. Ephesians 3.10 is a verse that teaches that the elect angels are one of the objects and audiences of God to display His great mercy toward you, the church. That's why it says, to the intent. This is why God has done everything the way He has done it and saved us. To the intent that now, unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places, those are the elect angels in heaven, might be known that they might learn this. By the church, the manifold wisdom of God, by what God has done to us, the church, and not to their fallen comrades, it's to show angels the manifold wisdom of God, that He would pass over them and save us, and then make them our servants, while we're the sons of God. And I do them no disrespect. They have a lofty office, because we are sons of God, joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ, His brethren. By adoption, which was predestinated before the world began. This phrase is unique to Ephesians, but it means heaven. You know, these blessings aren't that you were born in America. Because that's not heaven, is it? Okay, we're getting a start. These blessings are not that you had Christian parents. Because that wasn't heaven either. Then what is it? What are these spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ? They are election, adoption, justification, reconciliation, and all the other descriptions of our salvation from condemnation of sin. And they are all the riches of a brand new universe that will be our inheritance forever. The spiritual blessings of heavenly places Because heaven will consume the whole universe and heaven and earth will be equally righteous in all aspects after Jesus Christ comes back. These spiritual blessings, we want to remember that it's called, in this place, He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. When we talk, when we pray, when we thank God, let's make sure that at the top of the list are spiritual blessings. Would it be okay if God stripped away all natural blessings but gave you a greater realization of your spiritual blessings? Would that be a fair trade? It would be a wonderful trade. 
Do you know what all the prosperity that we live in in America? It steals. It steals our love and affection and attention away from our spiritual blessings. If this sentence is true, this is the most incredible information in the world. It's overwhelming. It's true. It's the Word of God. There is no other explanation for this universe that even comes close to making sense on any level. Thank you, Lord, for sending this to us. These, these are spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. This is the blessing of the doctrine of election. If God did not choose you in Christ, as the next verse is going to teach us, you would have none of these spiritual blessings. You would be left doomed and damned, rejected forever by a holy, just, and righteous God. But we have been made accepted in the beloved, as verse 6 is going to teach us. We have been adopted because we were predestinated to it in the fifth verse. We have been made holy, we are without blame, and we are loved in the fourth verse. Unbelievable. Wonderful. All glory to our great God. There is no other place for spiritual blessings. They are all in heaven. They are guaranteed by the might of God and the surety of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are no blessings in Rome. People want to take a trip to Rome. To Rome? To see the ferry in pajamas? To Rome? How about to Mecca? To kiss a meteorite? You don't know what I'm talking about? Go home and type in K-A-B-B-A, stone, the Kaaba stone of Islam. Why all the Muslims want to take a trek to Mecca so they can go kiss a black meteorite. Salt Lake City. You know, Joseph Smith and followers thought that was the promised land. Who wants to go out there to that piece of sand? Tibet. Yeah, let's go to Tibet. The only place on earth where they practice polyandry. Jerusalem. You say, what is polyandry, Pastor? I'm curious now. That is multiple husbands for one woman. That's how stupid and insane they are. Jerusalem. What is there in Jerusalem? You want to take a holy land tour? There's no blessings here on earth. They're in heavenly places. All spiritual blessings are in heavenly places. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Amen.